Welcome to episode 28 of Expanding Beyond. Um, summer has returned for a day here in Munich. <laughs> I was I was going, uh, we went for a swim today, but I think tomorrow it's going to rain again. Yeah. It's going to be cold and yay. How about you, Monica? <laughs> yay, summer. Uh, <laughs> um, how is it going? Well and not well, because um, yes, I'm in Munich. And tomorrow's going to rain. And I was supposed to be somewhere else tomorrow, but it's not going to happen. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I have to postpone my uh, going to Italy for, for at least a week because dentist and it wasn't planned. Uh, therefore, I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> but know. overall, it's, you know, it's good. Today was a good day, 28 degrees, a little bit of sun. I was able to go for a walk. I found that very interesting new book amazing uh, but this is narrative so not for today yeah i'm also cur i also didn't do much but read the last day in the evening at least yeah yeah <laughs> all right so what do we talk about today let's start with how monica does in her new job i think <laughs> where do i start uh <laughs> um the recurring thought of the past two weeks has been that I am extremely uncomfortable. At a rational level, I know that that's good because this means I'm learning. I mean, otherwise I would know already how to handle all this. So that's good. But at a personal level, as a human being, I fucking hate it. Uh, <laughs> I don't like not know where I'm heading. I don't know where to put my ends and not make a mess. I think I'm doing the right things. Some of those things need to be done. So uh, that's good. But yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's tough. I'm starting myself anew. And one of my comments today in our, uh, in our sheet was um, startup environment. Jesus, that's exactly what, what, I, what I wrote. Because it's so interesting in a way. Um, it's a company that it's almost the same size of the company I was before. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's more structured because it has to be because it's an uh, elf company. It's, we produce fundamentally a medical device. Therefore, it has to have a certain structure in its processes, in the documentation and in a bunch of other things. People are super professional. I'm extremely impressed by the way People that actually started as working students four years ago are able to be extreme good managers in uh, line managers in the in, in four years. It's, oh, wow. It, it's unbelievable. But it's also different from what I'm used to because the pace is different. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, the pace here feels faster as if like what I've always read about startups so it's also less structured in a way. It's, it's really weird as a, as a feeling. It's mm -hmm. this flickering image of stability and instability all at the same time. Okay. That <laughs> so, sounds interesting and nothing for me. I, I, <laughs> I interviewed with a, with a company some weeks, months ago, and I stressed very much that I'm, I don't know, we ended up parting ways because they wanted probably something someone who was more used to who, who was okay with less structure and faster pace mm. than i would have been 
Yes, uh, true. Uh, probably the, the early phases are or were also uh, in my new company uh, that way. Now, actually, what they're doing is creating more structure. So definitely they see the value in having a structure that allows people to make the right decisions without hindering them. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, I think, one of the interesting part of uh, seeing the company in this phase. So there's there's definitely that. It's different from what I'm used to, not only in the pace, but also in uh, in my team. Because I was used to uh, have a team that was uh, fully staffed, two engineers per platform, some, at, at moments even three, with uh, a PM, with a Scrum Master, with a UX designer, and a UX manager that would also help us during early product development uh, phases. Mm -hmm. And instead, what I'm facing right now, it's a super small team that it's really, it, it, it has been put together and it's whole with scraps and, uh, and whatnot. And I am the one because I don't have a PM we are hiring that is in my team. I also do some of that work and I am starting to establish certain processes and patterns. But the thing that we, I feel the most in general, especially within engineering, is this scarcity of uh, resources in, in the broader term. So it's it's time. It's um, sometimes it's information. It's um, I, I think an interesting another interesting observation was that there's really a prioritization of the OKRs. I see mm -hmm. this prioritization happening and it reflects really the priorities of the company. So if we have a bunch of OKRs, of course, every team, every department, whatnot, and if those, if certain key results or certain goals don't match exactly what is the highest priority of the company, there is a list of priority and it's not something, oh, but this is also important. That thing that is not important or not as important as others gets deprioritized. It's unbelievable. I know that it should be normal, uh, but believe me, folks out there, it's not that easy to have this kind of mm -hmm. discipline. Yeah. I mean, we don't even have OKRs. <laughs> yeah. There's also that, <laughs> right? I mean, you can use OKRs, you can use goals, you can use whatever. It doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. Uh, but the point is that whatever you do, you have to have priorities because everything is important means that nothing is important really. And you mm -hmm. spread your resources thin, you spread your mental energy, you spread your, your skills, you spread your attention, uh, the people that work with you on so many things that the marginal return of what you have, what you are doing is so little that it's also hard to keep motivation up. Um, that is true. That is true. Yeah. And um, another thing that, speaking of things that I don't know, uh, because it's a new environment, is I was very good at my job, I think, in my previous company, also because I've been there, I had been there long enough to know how to navigate the organization. I knew who to talk to, I knew um, how things were working, who to, who to inform, uh, who to ask uh, who to keep in my, you know, in my, um, how do you call that in English, uh, in my line of sight uh, so that if stuff was coming, I knew it was coming from that direction, right? Mm -hmm. And here, I don't know. I've, I've started getting 
a little bit the the gist of it because otherwise I wouldn't be able to do my job. So I have to be aware of that. But uh, it's nowhere close to what uh, that I would need to be really good at. Uh, and that impacts m- m- in many ways the way and I communicate, the way I, I don't know exactly who to talk to, to make things moving in a certain way. And it also has an impact on my uh, efficacy as a, as a leader within the organization. Um, I was saying, you know, like we don't have a, we don't have a PM, for example, uh, and in, uh, in our structure, PMs are the owners of uh, the key results. Of the objectives mm-hmm. and in my team there's no pm therefore people were like you would be the right one and i'm like nope uh, <laughs> <laughs> for two reasons i don't know the implications i don't know what i'm getting myself actually three uh one is that the second is i'm still in probation i mean i appreciate the you know like the trust but it's very risky and third i don't have enough clout yet in the company to be effective in moving the needle uh, there. Like, of course, Mm -hmm. I'm going to work for reaching those goals. Uh, That's why I'm doing the things I'm doing. But I'm not really confident I I can be that person and really be, you know, a champion for uh, for that key result. I mean, I know how to scream. That's it. That's true. (laughs) So so do the kids in your background. (laughs) Yes. I have a park nearby and it's summer. So if it was raining, you know, no kids, that would be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that was the that was the another another realization of this couple of weeks. And speaking of things that I uh, I don't know where to where to start at uh, the book I was talking about last time, the first 90 days in uh, in its first chapter, it's called prepare yourself states clearly that uh, it one of the first things you have to do among others and there's a, a, a substantial list there is this uh, stakeholder connection and in this case what what's the the point here is that you need to identify the key stakeholders of your team and of your projects so that you can build productive working relationships with these people because they are the ones that will be able to help you out in your first, especially in your first 90 days to be successful in your transition as a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't build this, the, the author calls it lateral relationship. It, it's going to be uh, extremely difficult for you to uh, achieve your, your goals and not to uh, uh, not to fall uh, along the way and annoy a lot of people <laughs> exactly exactly so that was a that was an interesting insight so what i did was um actually start to write a list of the people that i was coming across while uh, during my onboarding and even these days like who are the people that appear in my files who are the people that tag me on uh, Slack? Uh, who are the people that are asking questions about this or that? So that I could map them. Uh, I, I could build this, this I don't know, robocall uh, <laughs> 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 uh, of people that uh, I have to uh, talk to. And it's so important that I was talking about my onboarding uh, last time, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, my manager while writing my onboarding document, 
had already done some of this work for me. So he made a list of the people that both on the project and on uh, the organizational side, I would need to talk to, uh, to get to know them and establish first contact with some of them. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was very, if you end up in a new company and you don't, you are not provided with something like this, do ask, especially your manager and the people, immediate people around you, who you should talk to. And over time, establish a schedule where you have one hour, whatever, of time with, uh, with these people so that you can introduce yourself, ask some questions. Really, with some of them, it's just, it's going to be the first and the last, but with most of them, it won't. So it's, uh, it's very, very beneficial. Come with questions, especially. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even... We basically did that. I think it was this week or last week. Uh-huh. So we have had this problem in this company um, for a, well, since forever, basically okay. since the beginning that there was a bit of a disconnect between the various departments. And now we are finally trying to to get sort of closer together to to find out who who is important for your team, basically for each team to figure out uh, who to work closer together with being department or just uh, certain people directly and last week we did a sort of the first part of that as an exercise which is uh, called stakeholder mapping mm-hmm. so we got together as the whole team and one of the uh, members of the i don't know we have a few agile coaches in the company and one of them organized this so we had this 2d chart so on the uh, one axis there's sort of uh, it's about the interest so how interested would that person be in, in what you're doing? And on the other axis is the influence. They have either someone in the company. I don't know. A CEO has probably more <laughs> influence than other yeah, people. Yeah, I guess. Or um, some, I don't know, uh, partners or maybe even customer customers. And then we tried to put everyone uh, we could think of uh, on that map. And it was, so we did it as a whole team. And it was very interesting to... Uh, to see for some it was pretty clear for us where to put them and then for some there were just some people that had been with the company much longer and they could sort of give us a an idea where to put them and there's obviously always the difference between what the title says and then what that person actually has as influence or interest there's sometimes a bit of a disconnect and it was really interesting to uh, to see uh, where people fell this is very interesting i'm totally going to do it and and then I'm going to redo it in a few months and see the difference. That's going to be cool. Oh, and, and and that the person who did it then sort of after the fact removed all the... So yeah. That's just because he said and in a previous job, someone got fired because someone in the hierarchy saw this <laughs> and was offended. Oh, boy. <laughs> Obviously, it was a different kind of company, so not a, a smaller company like us, but one of the big old German companies, apparently. But he said... Be careful with having something accessible like this, where uh, you have people uh, sort of matched somewhere, and maybe someone doesn't like where they've been put. <laughs> oh boy, this is this is interesting twofold. One obs- one observation. Speaking of you know safe environment, <laughs> you know like <laughs> this doesn't sound like a very safe environment. Uh, yeah, I don't think this would happen. 
no. in our, our company it would be a problem. But yeah, he just wanted to be on the safe side, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, totally legit. And again, everybody should be as comfortable as possible. So I don't see the point. Like you guys know, so that's, that's enough. I mean, these things, this is what makes it so weird. Because these things are actually known. Like this is reality. Like a map is just a map of something that exists already. So the fact that you don't like what's on the map, it just, it, I mean, it doesn't really matter. In the end, that's what's going to happen. People will still think that you are low influence and, uh, and uh, you don't need to be informed. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, if you if someone's low in influence, then maybe it's it's fine. Um, but if someone, I don't know. Uh, it depends. Hmm. Uh, people can be <laughs> can make a lot of noise because you never know. That's another thing. Uh, you in this why everything is about people. People, uh, <laughs> a, a person themselves, they might be low influence, but in the chain of relationships that this pe the per this person has. It might be that they uh, are in a very good relationship with someone else that has a higher influence or um, they yeah. have a lot of friends around the company. So mm -hmm. there's this uh, Italian composer, uh, Rossini, one of his uh, um, arie uh, was uh, something like gossip is like a light breeze and it grows and it makes damage. I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the point like mm -hmm. you know someone with low influence can still do quite some damage <laughs> yeah yeah but it was a i think for the team it was interesting to uh to get all this information and to mm -hmm. basically talk about everyone and sort of gauge how how interested do you think they are because yes. where in the company they are and sometimes it's the, the positions are sometimes a bit nebulous and you're mm -hmm. not entirely sure from the title if that person has any connection to what you do or if they should or if they actually then use that power they have to do anything. Especially, yes, in, in smaller companies where titles might mean everything and nothing. Uh, what would be interesting if the, the, the company is safe at that level would be to see the the exercise done on the opposite, like from the other point of view, from the point of view of the stakeholders, where would they put themselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. But that's, yeah. Yeah. We only have one stakeholder who is basically always with the team and he is sort of putting himself at high interest and low influence. <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This past few days I've, I've uh, been looking at a lot of tools and, and, and stuff from, I mean, I need tools to move things along with the, with what we're doing. And I end up all the time uh, relying on stuff around project management mm -hmm. and, ah, uh, boy, project management should be taught in schools. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe not at a bachelor, but for sure at, uh, I, I, I only have a bachelor, so I don't know what's actually taught in in, uh, in masters. But it, it's it's a tool that it's useful on. It's a sorry, not a tool, but a, an area of knowledge that it's useful in so many instances in life that it's unbelievable. I guess so. So what are you sort of doing there? So one thing, because I knew I didn't know, 
uh, I went to, um, I've been subscribing to this uh, newsletter from Harvard Business Review, Business Review since ages. And uh, HBR has a very big catalog of articles and books and whatnot. So they, every now and then they issue this, uh, they are pocketbooks, very condensed with a bunch of articles on a certain topic that they have developed over time. And I have this one on project management. It's really the basics. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, I found it really, really useful because you can literally follow it from cover to uh, going cover to cover and you can follow it and you will, of course, making your mistakes as a rookie and whatnot, but you can definitely be able to handle a project as a project manager. The one thing that I got out of that book, I mean, I've read it about somewhere else in the past, but it's also described there. Then I thought I could just give it a shot. Premortem. Mm -hmm. So um, premortem is an exercise where you get together with your team and as the moderator, uh, project lead, you name it, you bring everyone in the room and it's like, okay, we are a year from now or whenever the project is supposed to be uh, uh, successful and the project has actually failed. So with that in mind, we are not able to, I don't know, we're not able to migrate our data to the new, um, uh, to the new instance of uh, Aurora. Why? What are the things that come to mind to each one of you that didn't allow us to get to that result. And people should sketch really everything because it could be a, it can be anything. Like what if our data center gets uh, flooded? Like, right. It, it can happen while mm -hmm. we are migrating or uh, I don't know. Kim Jong-un decides to, you know, drop a bomb. It's like stuff. Like that. <laughs> and then together with the team, you uh, go in, in rounds. I mean, there's different ways of doing this, but you go in rounds, let's say, and each one of uh, the participants list their uh, concern and they try to explain why this is something that it's something that is a risk and why we should take care of it. Uh, depending on how much time you have, you can have a round of challenges, for example. So someone might object. It's like, that's not going to happen because X, Y, and Z. And all together, you put it again, you have post-its and you put them on the wall or on your whiteboard, whatever. And you try to give them kind of like an order of priority. Something has to, in order for you to really, really care, something has to be high impact, high probability of happening. Mm -hmm. yeah. There are minor things that you can still do with, I don't know, low probability, high impact or low impact, but high probability. Those are nuisances and depending on how much time you can still tackle them, you're definitely going to exclude those things that you don't have control on. Someone quits. What do you do? You can't really control that, that part. Uh, I mean, it depends, but yeah, I mean, it depends if you have just one person doing that, then you can yeah. maybe <laughs> figure out yes. where to hire a second. So one. for example, yeah. in my case, both me and another, uh, another person on the team, uh, our VP of marketing was like, uh, both of us were, we are having issues uh, hiring because hiring is time consuming. And if you want to have a certain bar, you cannot just hire anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have few resources. So we have few people in our team. So how do we cope with that? And out of that, for example, my thought was like, why not having uh, freelancers? At least we have some redundancy in the team and they are 
hired faster than permanent employees in mm-hmm. Germany, at least. Yeah. So a, a few of these things. Once you have done this, you go through uh, uh, this round of uh, prioritization and you vote, which are the things that you believe as uh, with, with your team, which are the things you believe are the most uh, impactful and so on. And once you have done that, you have a second round in which you actually think about the solutions for those problems. Mm-hmm. So you rephrase them as how might we, uh, how might we avoid the loss of data? Uh, how might we avoid um, that someone that, that we don't have enough people on the team? Uh, all these things. And together you brainstorms on, uh, you brainstorm on solutions. You vote on those solutions and then you find people that will actually take care of implementing those solutions. You can go as deep as figuring out the single action items for those solutions, or you can just, you know, give it to people you delegate and it's like, okay, this is you, this is you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, someone will take care of them. But yeah, that step is important to <laughs> assign things to just to people instead of saying we are going to think about this and then yeah. no one does. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of time um, because I was supposed to be on holiday because deadlines and whatnot. So the last part I actually skipped, but as the also the project manager of all of this, <laughs> uh, I decided to uh, keep in mind what some solutions were and just, you know, tell people go and do that. And I, I, I didn't went for, I volunteer but the best I can do right now. <laughs> yeah, that sounds sounds good to, to sort of, if, if the project is big enough to think about stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. And in this case, again, who you want to have on board is not only your team, but also important stakeholders. Um, yeah. To sort of at least explain to them why you think uh, this needs to be done instead of, I don't know, building a cool feature. There's that. And they definitely for different reasons, will have a slightly different angle to your project. So there will be risks around this that that you that you still need to uh, be aware of, even if you, as the project manager, you can't really control them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was interesting. And it was successful, I guess, uh, since people uh, are uh, seem to be uh, happy and more relaxed at the end of it. Uh, I got good feedback. That's good. That's always the... <laughs> The most important thing, basically. Yes. And uh, there weren't uh, that many complaints, I guess. Uh, I mean, I didn't receive any in particular. And there were gifts, so everything is beautiful. <laughs> cool. Well, you put here in uh, in our show doc also something about time and task management and stuff like that. What is all that about? Uh, yeah, speaking of uh, not having enough time, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. So when I joined the the project and the team, many people on the team and many people outside of the team uh, were having issues really visualizing where we were, uh, what what was done, why, of course, uh, some things were, were done in a certain way, uh, etc. And that made me think that uh, in order to help the team, I had to help them see these things uh, through. I, I'm not yet at the level I would like to be, but it's it's much better than before. And one of the things that uh, that we started doing was surfacing all this all these tasks that were done that weren't visible outside of the team. 
Mm-hmm. And we were doing something similar. Uh, I, I, I then recall my former manager telling me this one day in which I was like, yeah, I mean, it's every factoring. I, I, I just, you know, I consider it part of the work. I don't put it there. And it was like, no, all those things, all those things that you do, you fix a bug, uh, you refactor, um, you, I know it's hard because you have to argue for those things, but they should be visible because it's important for the people to under the people in the team and outside of the team understand to understand why we're doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the narrative becomes you are you are uh, slow. Our code is a mess uh, and whatnot. So that over time, in the end, all the teams in my previous company were surfacing all these tasks by adding uh, tickets to the to the Jira uh, to the Jira board to our ticketing system, mm-hmm. and that helped a lot with also in a way, lowering the frustration of the engineers because finally they could see their work there. <laughs> and when I when I was my last year or so in, uh, in my previous job, I realized that very often people would put meetings, my free slots in the calendar. Not that there were that many already, but even those little uh, slots that I had of free time, air quotes, and I'll explain <laughs> that in a minute. I mean... If someone comes to your calendar and there's a hole in it, it's like, yeah, she's free. Then let me put something. So especially with management work being so intangible, it's really hard for people understanding what you are doing when you're not in meetings. There's this narrative that, you know, managers work is basically being in meetings. I disagree. (laughs) Managers work is being in meetings because we don't have different tools to handle that management. I I know it's weird, but those are the words. Mm -hmm. Another fundamental part that it's not always, it's not, I think, yet well understood about management work is that as a conductor, let's say, and I mean it from a musical perspective, uh, or as a leader of troops, what you need to do is to think about what you are going to do next. It's a very important part, that of being intentional in what you do. You have to know why you're doing certain things. It's not enough to be reactive. You You have to find the time to be proactive. Think about the problem, if there's a problem, or think where you want to see your team, your department, your project and whatnot in months, years from now. And that work is invisible work. And it's invisible work that if it's not in your calendar people don't know that you are doing that work so they come and i was like oh let me put a meeting there and you get this constant interruption of work on top of other work and this is super tiring also from a mental perspective because you have to constantly reprioritize all the time so what i ended up doing out of desperation and my previous job was like okay i don't at the end of the day i don't really know what i've done I've done thousands of things, but I don't know what I've done. So I have to write those things down in order to feel like I'm actually moving the needle even a little bit for mm-hmm. my own sake. Yeah. And then I also thought I don't have a ticket system for that. Like I could put it on the Jira board, but then I would actually drag the team down because this tickets, because you are interrupted all the time. Management work has a longer life cycle than development uh, work. So you have the tickets that drag themselves from one sprint to another. 
So I started using my calendar as a teacher system, basically. <laughs> so uh, what I what I was doing in my previous company was putting actually, you know, this Google Calendar feature where you have the out of office and immediately rejects the meetings that people put in there. Use it. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I was using these blocks, and I, for my sake, then I would be uh, and for planning my own work. I was naming them with the task I would do in that in that slot, or I thought I would be doing in the slot. Mm -hmm. In the new company, apparently people are more civil. So if you have something on your calendar, they don't schedule stuff on top of it, unless it's really, really necessary. Uh, so I'm doing this with actually meetings. So I write something like task, the name of the task that I'm going to be doing there, and I'm just put in my uh, in my calendar. So that work is actually visible outside it's visible to me and i'm not the only one reprioritizing my work like people coming to my calendar can understand is this really something that i need now so the i i have a higher amount of requests on slack so people approaching me like when can we talk about this because i cannot find a slot in your calendar but this also helps me feeling less frustrated and less angry towards others because I have a way to express what my needs are. So mm -hmm. my calendar is mine. And it's uh, it was a beautiful revolution. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I also realized after I started here after a while, I so I, I don't put stuff in my calendar generally. I, I write just write it down on paper. Mm -hmm. And I have those tasks that are, uh, like you called it so nicely in our Uh, show notes are is invisible work yeah and i realized that there are certain things that i think should be done and sometimes i just did them and then i realized a i'm spending time on stuff that the other people in my team can't see me doing plus uh, i go around the actually prioritization mm -hmm. in the team to figure out together if what i think is important is actually important for the whole team or if we together decide yeah That looks important, but uh, let's do it later because of this and this reason. That's a very good point. Because especially, especially as a at a as a bit more senior developer, you develop your own opinions. Yes. <laughs> and you just think, yeah, we need to do that. And but it would still be a better idea to really talk about the stuff with the team first. That's a very very good point. In a way, so I use this mostly for my own work, of course. I think that's a very good point that you have. It's like, this is where I see, for example, roadmap alignments and refinements in a, in a scrum world. Let's, uh, let's call it this way. So important because especially the roadmapping part, people need to uh, have an outlook of what's coming next because then together we can prior prioritize. Yeah, that's true. Um, we also sort of, we are sort of starting that and we, um, as as sort of the whole department, we are trying to keep a rolling roadmap basically for the next 12 months. Obviously, it's going to get less sort of detailed. Precise, <laughs> yes. And precise the further you go into the future. But at least you can sort of together decide roughly in which direction you want to go. Is there something that really should be cleaned up eventually? Where do you put that? Or is there some still a bit unclear new feature work that will have to come in a, I don't know, half a year or something like mm -hmm. that to sort of satisfy some uh, sales deals, basically. 
Yeah. It's how it often works, right? <laughs> yes. When some salesperson knows a feature is coming in a year, then they can already basically sell it. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Team itself, like I have some ideas what is important for the team. I mean, as a manager, your team is your project, is your is your code. More than others, you are the one thinking about what the team needs uh, next to become even more performing than it than it currently is. Uh, but there, it's it's a very good point that of you know reassessing together with others. It's like okay, this is what I gathered out of all our conversations, our retros lately. Uh, these are things that I've noticed, and this is my plan for this. These are the priorities. According to me, what I would like to fix first is this, what you think you need? Mm-hmm. And that I never do. That's a very good point. In that way, I'm still a bit reactive. Like I, I, I pick up the vibes and then I was like, okay, if they're talking so much about that, then uh, let's fix that first. But that has, that introduce, introduces a recency bias. And that might not be the most important thing at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah, it's always difficult and sometimes you just get caught up in the work and doing the thing instead mm-hmm. of sometimes you just have to stop and sort of get everyone up to speed or basically try to figure out together if this is really where you still want to go. Yeah, this is another thing that I don't, I personally don't particularly like about startups and it's something that I'm, I'm actively trying uh, to um, stay away from as a startup you have this uh, hunger, right? Like you are, you are in some sense also afraid of uh, not making it. And this makes you uh, extremely focused on the operational. Like, oh, we need this, oh, we need that, or and this has to happen now. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's very hard uh, to uh, keep that distance that makes you then think, is this the right thing that we, the, the, the most important thing we can do right now? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have not entire oftentimes not really experienced that because I try to stay away from the really early early stages. Yeah. But it's true you sometimes say, Hey, we are going to try this and then sometimes you get caught up in it when you I guess should have stopped earlier. <laughs> yeah. With it. I mean, even in a growth phase, I think it's in a way it's different and yet similar to a, an early phase. So uh, you feel the wave coming, right? Like you want to you wanna be riding that wave. Um, yeah, there's so much you can do now. <laughs> yeah. And that makes you think a little bit more in the short term, let's say. Or at least that's my perception. But what do I know? It's only the first startup that I see in that phase. I might be wrong. Yeah. More on that in a few months. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you in a few months. All right. I think we have uh, covered everything we wanted to in this episode. Where can people find you, Monica? So you can find me on my website, monicag.me. You can find me on Twitter at kfmolly with an I. Uh, You can find me on GitHub, on Dev2, a bunch of other social networks as uh, nearnight, TH at the end. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Name, surname, not difficult. Where people can find you. <laughs> oh, it depends. You. <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yes, it depends. <laughs> depends on where you come from. Yeah, that that's true. Well, if you go to my website, then you know how to type my name. Yes. Yeah. 
to spell it. <laughs> All right. And you can find me also on Twitter as UJH. I guess that's the best place these days. <laughs> I don't <laughs> do much else. Um, if you want to reach us as the podcast, you can email us at hosts at expandingbeyond.it. And if you want to tell someone about this amazing podcast you really, really like and want everyone to listen to, uh, we won't be uh, offended. Um, re reviews on your uh, favorite podcasting platform would also be appreciated, I guess. Yes, please. All right. So everyone, have a nice uh, breakfast, uh, lunch or whatever you're doing currently. <laughs> and? Hear you next time. All right. Bye, Bye, -bye. peeps.